I remember my mom's friend gave me a DVD of some anime movie when I was a kid, and there were two of them, and one of them was like, <laughs> Movies normal. are really risky. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was like really normal, and one of them was like tentacle hentai, and I, oh, like, no. I was like, I'm 11. <laughs> this is weird. So that's why you're into it now? Yeah. And he's like, ruined my life. <laughs> The internet. I think that's called the formative experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yuck. Yuck. Make believe Welcome to Make Believe Money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Dan, what are we talking about? We are going to talk about Settlers of Catan, the board game. Um, and specifically, we're going to talk about the concept of arbitrage. So what? I know it's what? sexy. That's not a word I know. Well, guess what? You're about to. It's a real sexy and interesting word that That's we're going to talk all about. What we're going to name our first child. Can you use it in a sentence? Um, no. I Aside guess. from we're going to talk about arbitrage. I was about to say, we're going to talk about arbitrage. <laughs> you want to um, spell it? I will throughout. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. Like okay. Let's go okay. through what Catan is and how knowledgeable we are about it. So we'll do our rankings and then we can go from there. Okay. So what do you want to describe Catan since I'll be talking half the time? So, um, Catan is one of the first, it's like a, one of the first, it's a European style board game, right? Like a, if you think. Uh, I think it is produced by a, a European developer. No, I think she means like versus deck building versus, you know, whatever. I guess. Uh, uh, I mean, that... Uh, it's more like resource building. Betraying my cred here a little bit. I'm only vaguely aware. I know that... I know that European I know that European games have trains in them a lot. That's <laughs> That's why I think this one, this makes sense because you build little walls. That's kind of like a train. Um, and so, those are definitely roads. And those are definitely roads, but they look like little walls, like little walls of Hadrian's Wall. <laughs> Maybe we should explain what it is so people don't think okay. we're crazy people so talking here in the ether. to sum it up pretty quickly, it's a board game that um, the layout changes a bunch because there's tiles that you lay down, and all these tiles are different resources, like um, ore and sheep and wood and... Wheat. Wheat and... Brick. Brick, thank you. Um, and you are trying to settle a big old town... It's like a continent. Yeah. It's a continent, yeah. and you're building towns and connecting them with roads yeah. and what have you. Yeah, and you and your opponents are trying to build the longest town, longest road, your big old town, or collecting a bunch of resources to earn victory points, and there's a little thief guy who moves around the board and steals resources from you, and you can use that dude strategically to bone your opponents. Um, and it's a soothing game. Yeah, it's one of the say. first of like the new era board game where it's not Monopoly and it's not, you know, life. It's a little bit more strategic. A lot of your choices make much more impact than just like rolling die. But it's just basically gather resources, build and colonize this continent to receive a certain amount of points. And when you hit the certain amount of points, you win. It sounds like like when you describe it that way, it sounds like such a, a dull game, but it's actually really fun and uh, easy to pick up, and I do think like you're right. Like the first, 
even if it wasn't like the first game to get popular right. over here, it would be a really good entry point for someone who plays games that are like traditional old school board games to get into. Yeah, if you more think you would stuff. like more complex board games or more interesting board games, Catan is a great place to pick up and start. Yeah. Things like Catan or Ticket to Ride or things like that. So, yeah. What's your ratings? My rating, I would say, uh, so I actually have the mobile version of this on my phone. Ayo. Uh, and I would, because of that, I would put my rating <laughs> probably at like a seven only because there's a number of expansions that I've never touched. But that's cool that you can get a copy on your phone. Yeah. 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 It actually plays very well for, uh, I have a lot of board game apps and uh, for a mobile experience. Hit or miss. Play, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very hit or miss. Uh, but it's a very good mobile experience if you're looking for that. Nice. Dan? I'll probably give myself like an eight. I mean, I think all of us are high just because, A, we've played it, and B, we're pretty big board game nerds, as we mentioned a little bit during life, and this is our first chance to kind of show it. But um, (laughs) I've played it a ton, um, and I actually own several of the expansions and have played a couple of them. I actually have one that's been sitting in a box for like forever because this is going to sound really elitist, but now (laughs) that I have even more complex and nerdy board games, I'm like, oh, why would I play Catan when I have... (laughs) Scythe See, or whatever. This but is like, why Megan doesn't want him to buy more board yeah. games. <laughs> I know. Hey, I will happily sell that one back to buy two more. That's the trade I'm willing to offer you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at makebelievemoney at podcast. Uh, at podcast. Yeah, at podcast. Com. <laughs> Make Believe Money podcast at e- Oh, good Lord. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, hey, Megan. <laughs> I think she knows where to find yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Megan, tell Dan what you if think If you're willing about. to make this two for one trade. <laughs> uh... I'd say my rating is probably a little lower. Um, I'm going to give it a five because I it was my introduction to, like, cooler board games. I say pushing my glasses up my nose. <laughs> um, but I, I really liked it a lot, and I used to play it with my buddies as, like, bonding time, and it was great, and I got really into it and would win occasionally, which is rare for me with board games. So, yeah, I'd say about a five. We don't have a copy, do we? No. Weird, mm-hmm. right? We should. Yeah. Hey, Dan, can we buy that expansion pack off of you and then also well, you the original one? <laughs> Probably still need uh, the base game, yeah, but don't you're be weird. absolutely allowed to as long as Megan lets me trade them two for one. So <laughs> now you're on my side. You just keep getting that like evil cat look in your face when you say that. I'm like, if I'm allowed I know what to I have want. two. <laughs> I know what I want. So. Herbitrage. 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 Ermagerd. Um, how are we approaching this? this What does this mean? So let me read you the definition of arbitrage, which is boring and not that as defined by Webster's Dictionary. Yeah, basically. I do feel like in my head, arbitrage is a very fancy fabric. It is not that thing. I imagine (laughs) it's a way that you prepare poultry. Poultry. Oh, Damon got it right. All right, talk. (laughs) No, this whole episode is a cooking episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so arbitrage, the simultaneous buying and selling of securities, currencies, or commodities in different markets or in derivative forms in order to take advantage of differing prices for the same asset, which is a fancy way of saying, let's say Liz will sell me an apple for a dollar. Absolutely not. And Damon will buy apples for $2. In that world, I would buy all the apples from Liz I could and sell them to Damon. That's an arbitrage. When you have the opportunity to buy something at one price and sell it at a different price, presumably higher price, you can make arbitrage profit. 
which is guaranteed riskless profit. How is that different from just selling a thing? Because, like, yeah, how is that different from selling a thing? Yeah, I mean, if you want to go really meta, it's not. This is what... I mean, all just economy is like okay. oil is worth X plus, And if it costs me Y for labor and I can sell it for Z, I will. But specifically this, the key point here is it's simultaneous. Okay. Of the same thing in different markets. So you're not doing anything to change. Right. I'm not buying yeah. an apple and polishing it or turning it into a pie or anything. I'm literally buying one thing from Liz who lives on an apple orchard and finds apples really cheap. It's and Damon great. lives in a place where apples are really hard to come by, so I can sell it to him for more than I bought it for. Is this what that they do simple. at the end of Trading Places? We need to do an episode on Trading Places. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Trading Places in a while, so I'd have to look. So in the real world, this doesn't exist very much, if at all, because the way the world works is these gaps get closed. So if this really was possible... Yeah, why wouldn't I just sell I would, Damon? Well, you may not know, or oh. I may see the... But what I would wind up doing is I'd buy so many apples from you, Liz, that eventually you wouldn't have a lot of apples, so you'd raise your prices mm-hmm. to two, and then I couldn't make any money. That's and what actually stop. happens, okay. is like people wind up balancing supply and demand by buying from the cheap and selling to the, the slightly more expensive. Okay. <laughs> it's a really not great Robin Hood slogan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Steal from the cheap and sell to the expensive. No, but um, so it winds up like... Literally, these opportunities in this day and age in the markets will last microseconds. Oh. I mean, they close very, very, very fast. Like a Bitcoin. In this case, I cannot go with you. (laughs) But actually, yes, there's an example of some of this happening with Bitcoin because their exchanges are a little bit slower and a little bit unregulated. There are places where you can buy a Bitcoin for one price and sell it for a higher price occasionally. It doesn't happen often, but it does exist. So actually, yes, like a Bitcoin. Like For a Bitcoin. I, one of these days, I'm going to catch you in that. That's but apparently, two, Bitcoin two is two. everything. <laughs> Bitcoin is all. <laughs> so how does this relate to Catan? Great question, Dan. <laughs> Thanks for asking it. You don't need us. <laughs> Everybody, get out. Shut I'll, I'll call off. you back in when it's <laughs> when I'm good. Please no. Don't. So for the a little rule explanation for those who don't know Catan, because I can understand it could be confusing. You generate these resources because. Each resource square has a tile on it with a number, and you roll two die, and if you roll the number of that tile, it produces a resource. So, like, if I have a wheat field, and it has a six on it, and I roll a four and a two, the six, that wheat field generates wheat, and I get to take it into my hand. At any point, you can trade four of a resource with the bank for something different. So I could trade four wheat for one sheep. With me so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen movies. (laughs) (laughs) There are ships on the outside of the continent of Catan where you can trade three resources of any type for one. Uh Those ships should not exist. The richest man in Catan goes and buys something at the ship for three to one and sells it to the bank at four to one and makes a limitless, unlimited profit. Wait. What? Like slow that down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I in this hypothetical, I have a wheat field. Mm-hmm. And I produce twelve three wheat. wheat. Twelve wheat. Okay. So you produce twelve wheat. Okay. So I take that to a ship. A ship. And yeah, let's say there's a brick shortage. Four. Okay. So you go to the ship and you get four brick. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. 
And then you can sell those brick back to the bank for, in theory, because they need to give, they will give anybody one brick for four of anything. So what would probably happen in the real world is you would go sell each of those brick for three and a half. Okay. And then the bank would sell it for four. So let's do this in a, in a simpler example. Um, we'll go back to kind of, uh, apples for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. I produce 12 apples. Okay. The bank will sell anyone, uh, an apple for $4. Okay. Okay. I can go to the ship and like sell my apples for, well, I guess it'd be the other way around is the hard part here. Right. So what I would do is I would sell those apples for, well, how much, what did I say? 12 apples for uh-huh. four for a dollar. So, oh, no, I'm all. We're all twisted oh, around. Oh, we're all twisted around. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Arbitrage is hard. Fresh start. Um, let's, okay, let's talk about the game mechanic again. Yes. If you are making so much wheat and you really need brick, what you would maybe do is take your wheat to the boat. You take it to the ship because you ships. can get three for one at the ship. Makes more sense. Yeah, right. Over the bank. And that's what happens in the real game. Yes. You go to the ships if you can, which is not available to everybody, and you get it for three to one. Uh But in a real economy, right, the bank is willing to go four to one with anybody, which Uh means they have to have a supply of resources available to them, Uh which means they have to buy them somewhere. So they're probably willing to pay three and a half or more for one. Does that make sense? Three and a half what? Clarify for me. Of the currency. Yeah, of whatever their currency is, of some other resource, of whatever. Oh, I see. In order to have it available to give people when they come and trade it in, they have to get it from somewhere. Right. And you could give it to them. Right. You're the person. If this were a real world example. You're the person who supplies them. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay. So So I'm getting it. Same thing of like, okay, say you want to buy a bond from the bank. Right, some company has to issue the bond, and the bank buys it from them, and then they sell it to you at an upcharge. Mm-hmm. For example, okay. this is the same thing, except with these resources. But in theory, if these ships hung around at all times, and you were always able to do three to one, someone could just who has access to a lot of resources and the coast always sell to the ship, and then always sell back to the bank for a riskless, guaranteed forever profit to like get resources from the ship because it's cheaper to trade it in there and then sell those resources to the bank to have them available for people to buy. So if you're making a lot of wheat and the, uh, the bank wants brick, you trade in three to one wheat for brick. And then you sell the brick to the bank for three and a half of wheat. And then the bank sells the brick for one. So now you took 12 wheat, and turned it into 18 wheat. Do you see how that yes, works? Yes, I do. You take your three wheat, trade in three to one for brick. So you get four bricks. Then you trade three and a half bricks per wheat, or you know, other way around, three and a half wheat per brick to the bank. So now the bank can sell that brick four to one to somebody, but you wind up with 18 wheat. Which turns you turn right back which around. Which you could turn right back around and, and sell to, the, to the, ship. the ship. And you could do it ad nauseum. You could do an unlimited, forever, permanent, profit see now that doesn't work in the game mechanic no it doesn't no. work in the game mechanic but but, but the in whole the real world, point in the of economy of this world, yeah. is, okay 
like that re- fictional worlds are a real. Poor choice for playing Catan, but like in the real world, that would probably work for a little while until they. So ran in out theory, of- what would happen is if you kept doing this, the bank would stop offering. One of two things would happen: either the ship would get so full of wheat that they're like, "We don't." We're done with wheat. We don't. We don't. We we won't yeah. pay three to one for it anymore. Now we're paying four to one, mm-hmm. and then you make no more profit. Or the bank will say, you know, we're there's not the demand there. We're charging five to one, and we'll only pay you four to one for it, or uh, other way around. I guess we'll pay you three to one, and so like you lose your profit there. Okay. One way or the other, the gap will close. Where either someone will have so much of it they're willing to, like, pay less for it. Or you will buy it into such low supply that the price will go up. So when does this happen in real life? Does it still happen in real life? Rarely, but it does. (laughs) And here's where it gets even more complex. And I know we couldn't even get through one basic example, so bear with me. We're Uh, we're learning. We're learning. How many apples do I have? (laughs) Yeah. So this tends to happen. I think. Actually, where this happens the most, and again, it doesn't happen often. When it happens, it gets closed pretty quickly but is with currencies. But it tends to happen with three parties. Okay. So it's pretty easy to figure out two parties and to close that gap. But let's say an example uh, where I have a million dollars. Oh, great. And I go to bank one, and I it's two euros per dollar. So now I have 500 euros, mm-hmm. right? If I get, uh-huh. if it's every euro is worth $2, I have 500 euros for a million dollars. Does that make sense? No, because 500 euros for a million dollars, you mean... 500,000 euros. There it is. Okay. Yeah, if okay. every euro is worth $2, and I have a million dollars, then, then I'm going to have 500,000 euros. Okay. okay. Now do I go to bank two, and let's say I can get three pounds, like British pounds, per euro. Sure. Well, now I'm going to have 1.5 million euros. Right. Right? Because I can turn my pounds. 500... Or pounds, pounds. thank you. Yeah. I can turn my 500,000 euros into 1.5 million pounds. Okay. Now then, there's a third bank that is offering 1.25 pound per dollar. So you get right back to dollars. Yes, but I can turn my 1.5 million pounds into 1.2 million dollars. Which is a point two million. Which is point two million dollars more, more than, than what I started, started. with okay. for no effort other than trading through three different banks. This isn't legal. It is legal. Okay. It doesn't. Like I said, it's it doesn't feel nice. So <laughs> so rare that it exists, and when it does exist, it's identified and closed very 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 fast. Our markets have just gotten really good at it, and occasionally it will be legal, but like they'll be on a hundred thousand dollar fee for every trade and so it winds up being net neutral like occasionally there is sustained arbitrage but it's because fees wind up making it not worth it not profitable but but that loop doesn't close because of any like regulatory body it just closes because the market corrects right to people would do whatever they need to do sell so many dollars or buy so many pounds or buy or sell so many euros that eventually the banks then revalue that yes at a different cost right and really what would happen in this day and age is the banks would all communicate with each other and figure out they're doing it wrong and change their prices but even if they didn't do that eventually there would be enough transfers and changes and what have you that the value would come to some sort of equilibrium where 
if you went through three parties, you could change a million dollars into a million dollars, and you couldn't make this risk-free profit by going from dollars to pounds, or dollars to euros to pounds to dollars. That's nuts. That's like putting a thing into Google Translate and then running it through all the options and then coming back to what it is in English at the end of it, and it's totally incomprehensible. You know what I'm talking about? No, I know what you're talking about, and I want to go do that now. Right? <laughs> so let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, let's move quick, folks. Um, but yeah, so I know that was, I know this is a complex and hard topic. And again, no, it's like really it's, interesting. it's, it's hard even for me to like keep track of, and I have the examples written in front of me, but the point is there should not be a median in any sort of world. And this happens in a couple of board games and we'll maybe talk about others in the future where you can just have totally different values to your items in different places. That's was just bad business. Like right. period anyway because like someone in that market is doing a bad is not getting is under or overperforming for themselves right again now the only possibility here we talked about in this day and age fees if it costs you money to store the wheat or if it costs you money to transport the wheat and you wind up coming out even that price difference may be okay and exist for a reason. Mm-hmm. But if it's as simple as like in this three bank example where you're just hitting buttons online and it costs you nothing, that opportunity should not exist and shouldn't exist for long if it does. Crazy. Like a clothing wormhole. Hmm. So like theoretically, the economy of the land of Catan only doesn't completely fall apart in this because some unknown entity is funding the bank. Like the the actual settlers of Catan don't have any ability to, you know, sell their goods to the bank. Well, you could kind of do it in Catan, right? Because you could you could sell your stuff to other players. Right. I mean, so the arbitrage opportunity, so this is the problem is it wouldn't work if the trading with the bank was 5 to 1. Because if that existed, you would always trade with the ship for 3 to 1 and then offer it to anyone out in the world for 4 to 1, and they would right. have no opportunity uh. to ever They'd have no reason to ever go to the bank. So that's why I had that 3.5 in our example oh. is because you need some intermediate value, okay. right? Otherwise, the bank wouldn't make any money. Why would they you, do it? Why would they do it? But like if there's... So in theory, the way arbitrage normally works, honestly, is it's more based on high volume than big price difference. In our current world, what would actually happen in this example is the bank would buy it for 3.2 and you could sell it for three. And so you would pocket that like... You that know, point two. Point two or point one or something. But you would but just like, do it so many times. Right. That, you just yeah. do it ad nauseum really fast with millions and millions and millions and millions of the product. Wow. But yeah, so like that's why in Catan, in theory, I don't know if the people designed it knew this or if they just got lucky or whatever, you would never make the and probably play testing, you would never make the bank trade five to one while you had a ship that did three for one. Because yeah, players would just trade four to one with that one player and the strategy when that game would to be produce a lot of one resource. And sell at it. some place that has three to one, and you can basically control a market and get anything you want now at what, a primo value. What do the two to one spaces do then? The two to one spaces, I will say, are only specifically for a certain resource. Uh, a certain resource, not so anything. that kind of neutralizes the. Well, that's the thing is that depends on the board. Yeah. Right. If you can get a two for one at a resource that is in very high demand. Let's say just like nobody's brick. built on brick yeah. or the numbers of brick are 12 and 2 and 
really three and that are like numbers that don't get rolled often. In theory, a good strategy for that game would be to build on it. The problem is you have to generate enough resources to go 12 or two to one. Yeah. So what you really want is there to be one good brick generating space. You want to sit on that, it. have the brick two to one, and then you can always sell brick, brick to people for three to one. You just trade in, you know, whatever, two no, sheep for do, a brick. You would do, like, you would want to be near the two to one, like, you give them two of anything for one brick, right. and you would camp out on, like, wheat. That but what I'm saying is there roll. is no two of anything. There's two of specific things. But, yes, let's right. say it's two sheep to one brick. You're totally right, though. I yeah. was wrong. You would want to be on a very high sheep-generating area right. with the two to one brick. <laughs> And then you always trade sheep for brick, and because no one else can get brick, you only sell that brick for three or three. four or some higher valuation. Yeah. And every, the economy basically runs through you. You have a bottleneck in this one resource at a primo price. I like thinking of uh, sheep farm as a high sheep generating area. Yes. <laughs> high yield sheep. Well, now, and we won't get into this too much, but if you really want to get complicated, now there's national security concerns. Right. Oh, yeah. Because like, would you be willing to tra always trade with someone three to one when you could go to the bank four for one, knowing that you're helping them win the game? Right. Which is really what. So like not to get super topical, but like the steel tariffs, some of the arguments for it, which I'm I'm a globalist. I don't particularly uh, agree with these. But one of the arguments for it is people can make steel cheaper elsewhere. And so they're flooding our market with cheap steel, which in theory is good for us. We have access to it one of the issues that they might, and actually the reason Trump was able to do it is he invoked a small clause and that's not often used, which is a national security clause because in theory, if steel is cheaper elsewhere and it's always brought in, we will no longer make steel, which means let's say if we got in a war with, well, our biggest steel <laughs> importers, Canada, but let's say we got in a war with <laughs> China and they were doing 80% of our steel production and they stopped producing, like gen giving us steel, there's a national security concern there. And right. that's like why he was able to invoke those tariffs. And I'm sure that will be challenged in the courts. But like that's yeah, the idea. Yeah, who knows where we'll be at with the way that our uh, world has been working at the at the recording of this yeah. podcast. Those this steel is... tariffs just went into effect and da da da. But yeah. like, yeah, who knows where it'll be then? But like that's that was the idea behind, and that's what would happen in Catan too. Is if I have a lot of sheep, I'm producing them for brick. Nobody else can get brick. I'm constantly selling you brick at three to one, which is better than you can get for the bank. But you see me getting closer to winning would you be willing to grow slower and spend more resources to stop me from winning? From winning, yeah. Probably. Generally, I am cut off my nose to spite my face right. enough. Yeah. A la <laughs> but, I mean, that's the national concern, uh, security concern that exists in the real world occasionally. That is very interesting. It makes me worried. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, these ones are great, but they always kind of hurt my heart a little bit. <laughs> Like, well, the way the, the, the position just, that the world make them, is in. You just make them really real, and you bring them home. And <laughs> it's sorry, great. This now, is what the now world I gotta is. walk around Quality with this all podcasting. day. Yeah, I mean, you gotta now. Now you. This is what the world is. Uh, this is what. This is why tariffs exist, and and in some places it works too, right? Like sometimes we also put tariffs in to protect an industry that we think will be globally competitive, but is too nascent to be globally competitive. So, like, if we had just discovered steel for the first time we might be like hey we found a ton of it we think we can be really competitive but there's a bunch of startup costs so it won't be competitive for like 10 years yeah so we might put in a tariff to like make people buy u.s steel so that it grows and scales and gets productive and then you would take the tariff away 
So okay. like Obama did that. Like I'm presidents do tariffs. I'm not shitting sure. all over. But so it's just it again makes sense usually. <laughs> this is a established industry wherein we get the most of our steel from Canada. So it it doesn't seem to make the same sort of sense yeah. to me in this case. <sighs> then again, I am not a global economist. I am a personal finance person. A personal finance person. Yes. A PFP. A PFP. No, I hope to be a CFP, but that's a whole other thing. A CFP. Well, yeah, you would be a certified personal finance person. Oh, yeah, if you add another P. Yeah. Yeah. A CPFP. If you're listening, CFP, I don't think I'm allowed to disdain your marks this way, so I apologize. That's their TM. TM, TM, TM. Yeah. I didn't expect to get into tariffs. I have a whole thing about um, <laughs> the efficient market hypothesis that we'll just save for another day. Are you sure? Because I'm willing to hear it. Oh, it's it's a... I don't know. What are we at time-wise? It's only 33. We're, it's kind of short. If we could wrap it up right now, or we could talk about that thing that you said a I'll Leave it ago. up to you guys. Does it does it work back in, or do you feel like we summed everything up Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we can, we, I mean, we could talk about it real. So I'll do it quickly. And if you guys are getting bored, just tell me to stop. And like, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll just do something. <laughs> Let's just shut off the computer and we'll, we'll be done. We're going to go throw the main. <laughs> <laughs> so markets are efficient. That's basically what we just said. It's like these opportunities don't exist because they get closed. Yeah. Right. Um, so this kind of leads us to a discussion on, on stock investing. Oh, right. If okay. markets are efficient, how do you make any money? Yeah. Right. How like do if everything you make is properly money? valued. How do you make money? Right. Um, so there's a couple ways to buy stocks, right? You can buy what you can do. It's called passive investing, which if anybody's heard of an index fund, this is kind of the same thing where you buy everything that's out in the market and you just take whatever the market gives you. Something like a 401k is like that. Depends on the 401k. Well, but the 401k is just a container. Right. That's oh. kind of like purchases. a shield against taxes. And then oh. within that, you can put almost any investment you want. So it could be passive, which is what we're talking about. It could be active, which we'll talk about in a second. But oh. the point is, passive investing is the idea of like, I'm not going to try to pick winners or losers. I'm just going to have the whole thing. Okay. So yes, I will own Enron that will go out of business. But I'll also own Apple, which will double. And overall, I will get the average return of the market, which is six, seven, eight maybe 11, somewhere in that range percent over time. Your target date fund is an I do. I know I, right. know I yeah. do that have is an index fund, investment. but I thought they were like the same deal. So this is kind of neat to know that like. Yeah. yeah. No, retirement accounts and retirement investments are different. One mm-hmm. of those days we'll, we'll do something with that. But okay. Active is you make active decisions to try to beat the market. So I'm not going to buy Enron. I'll only buy Apple, which will be better than if, let's say you, Liz, buy both because you'll have, okay, Apple went up. 80%, but maybe I lost 20% on Enron, so I wound up only getting, you know, 60. Mm-hmm. If I only bought Apple, I'd do better. But that's like a high risk, high reward thing again, right? Like Right. So if you go active, you have to you have to presume you're good enough to pick only the better ones. Yeah. Um, and it's often cost more because I mean if you think about it, buying a little bit of everything is easy and a computer can do it. Buying only the winners tends to be a human task, which gotta pay humans, they cost more. Um, to Damon's fear of automation. <laughs> Does um, that feel nice? <laughs> no, because I'm gonna let the robot do my investing. It's right. fine. I was about to say it shouldn't feel nice because historically active investing has not worked. Yeah, yeah. the okay. human the, the robots are, are winning, the humans are losing. Yeah. 
I think most robots sound nice, except for those like weird dog robots from the Boston Dynamics that people keep kicking to test if they'll stand up. Right? <laughs> they will be. Those mean. are the ones that are going to be mean. Um, well, you know, they also need. You know, in this case, robots are good for us. This is the I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Hal, but that like keeps you from making emotional investing mistakes <laughs> instead of <laughs> turning him off. I thought you were talking about the Boston Dy- Dynamics ones, and I'm like, they're opening doors now, and that's basically holding They've a gun. They've got hands. So, yeah. <laughs> that's like our only defense against like zombies and dinosaurs. It's doorknobs. So, yeah. <laughs> like, if the robots can do it, that's our biggest threat. <laughs> oh, um, God. But anyway, so if you're going to go path or active excuse me if you're going to try to pick winners there's a number of ways you can do it and there's some like theories out in the finance world about whether that'll work or not so the first thing to know is like there's two ways to do it there's what's called technical and then there's the other way which i'm just i'm going to call info based it doesn't really have a name but technical is like you look at how the stock has performed in the past and you make decisions based on that like oh every time it gets close to twenty dollars it never quite beats $20. It tends to like get close and then fall. So I'm going to buy it if it's far away from $20 and sell it when it gets close to $20. Like, so that's like the idea. Or sure. over the past 200 days, it's averaged $15. So if it's under 15, I'm going to buy it. And when it gets over 15, I'm going to sell it. Right. Okay. Or you can do it based on information. I think that people aren't appreciating Apple's new virtual reality headset you know, everybody thinks it's going to sell 3 million units. I think it's going to sell 10 million. And if I'm right, they'll make more money unexpectedly and the stock will go up. So there's kind of the ways you can try to actively invest, right? Mm -hmm. There's three, the markets, as we said, are efficient and everybody knows that. So there's three kind of efficiency models that are like standard out there. So one is the weak form, which basically means information will let you make better decisions, but that past trends have no impact on stocks. So in this method, in this hypothesis, you can't make money doing technical analysis. Just because it used to always drop below 20, when it got close to 20, doesn't mean it will again. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that's weak form. There's semi-strong form. I know these are that's technical me. terms. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm weak form. Semi-strong form. <laughs> So in semi-strong form, all publicly available information is reflected. So someone else has figured out that they're going to send 10 million headsets and you can't make any money by, by guessing that. Okay. But insider information could make money. Which is illegal. It is illegal. <laughs> but there's also a strong form, EMH, efficient market hypothesis, which means all information is reflected, which means nothing, including insider information, could make the stock change in price because it's all been reflected in the price of the stock. And there's a big debate about which one of these is right in the finance world. So this, which one of these is like a good model to use when... Right. Like uh, is the market weak form where you can't... I mean, there are people who think technical analysis works and there's people who make money on it, so maybe it does, but the big three are is the market weak, which means public and non-public information will help you, but technical analysis won't? Is it semi-strong, where the only sort of information that can help you is insider information? Or is it strong, where the market's perfectly efficient and it reflects all information, and that's that? So this kind of sounds just like a gradient of 
like if you are closer to the weak form idea, you might think that if you fall in line with the the idea of weak form, you would uh, lend more credence to like uh, individual stock investing and thinking that you could actually wind up beating the market. And if you are like a strong form adherent, you'd be like, there's no sense in doing anything special, throw it all in an index fund and just ride it out. Totally. That's exactly what it means. It's basically where you fall on the spectrum helps you determine who you are as an investor. You may believe in none of these, in which case you may trade on technical. You may believe in weak form, in which case you go, I think I've got a better understanding of Apple than anyone else in the world, so I'm going to time when I buy it and sell it. You could be a semi-strong form. You go, the only way I could know is if I had public information, insider information, which I don't have and would be illegal to trade on. <laughs> or I think the market's perfectly efficient. I'm going to buy the whole thing and ride it out. Okay. So how does that turn back around to our beard game? Uh, nothing. I just thought it was <laughs> interesting. Well, here's what I'll say. They would not be a strong form no, economy. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, like, I, yeah. So because there's a proven inefficiency. Right. There's a proven can... inefficiency that you can trade upon. Um, and so honestly, they wouldn't really be any of these because if that's not closed, then like none of these really work. Well, I mean, it would... I guess you need the information. It would technically be it, the technical because, like, well, I know that I can do this. Right. Like, I have evidence that I can do this thing, so I'm right. going to do it until Historically, it stops. this has always worked, and I'm going to keep doing it until it stops working. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. I will try to find some new trend or something. Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn. I don't... I definitely don't think strong form is true because mm-hmm. there's a like reason there insider information is illegal yeah. because when you have it, you, you tend to make you more benefit money from than it, other yeah. people. Right. Um, which is cheating, which is why you're It's illegal. illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in lieu of that, <laughs> yes. most people are fine yeah. like trusting a robot. Writing it out. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, so semi-strong form may be, or weak form may be true. You may be able to make more money if you have more information. Even if it's public, you just put it together in a different way or you understand it in a more in-depth way. The thing is, though, a, again, that hasn't worked historically. People can outperform the market in the short term, but not in the super long term. And even if that is true, that's someone's entire job all the time yeah. to look at like 10. I mean, that was my job for a while. I looked at like 10 to 15 to 20 companies, analyzed everything about them to try to find things that people were under or overvaluing. Dang. So if you're a day-to-day individual investing investor, you can do that if you like it. And, you know, this is all kind of fancier than like the Warren Buffett investing, which, and his works, which is pick a company you like that you think is going to be around forever and just let them kind of do their thing. But if that's the case for most of us, unless we have that time, that energy, that passion, passive invest, pick an index fund, track the market. It's going to do well over time. It still goes up. So just let it ride, man. (sighs) Stock market's like gambling, but when you're the house, you lose sometimes, but overall, the longer you play, the more likely you are to win. Ooh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. That's my analogy. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, you should put that. Yeah, t-shirt. yeah, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, a like super t-shirt. long t-shirt <laughs> with like a twelve-point yeah. text all like the an way down. Old timey nightgown. <laughs> it's like half of it on the front, half of it. The stock market is like gambling. If you're the house wear, see back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, so um, we have anything else to add on that? I think we all need to get a copy of Catan up in here. Yeah. First of all, 
join us in our crazy board game obsession. Go play fun board games. Yeah, Catan's great. It's a good place to start if you've never played anything outside of... First of all, start playing regular old board games. If you never play board games at all, it's a nice way to hang out with friends. Clue is great. If We're going to do start, that. We're still going to... I have all I'm the research so done. Oh, it's already. Oh, oh, it's ready to go. That's exciting. I'm excited for that Teaser. episode. Do, 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 do. Uh, do, do, you have more thoughts? No. I'm just, uh, I do that when I'm nervous and I don't have anything to say. Oh. Filling air. Yeah. Um, that was great, Dan. I feel like I learned a crazy amount of stuff about a thing that I never really put much thought to before today. Well, good news. I've learned this stuff like four different times for four different like professional certifications. And as you saw tonight, if I don't think about it for a while, I still get lost in it. So, so a recommendation expect, to our listeners to yeah. just listen to this so once folks, a year. Yeah, listen to this show four, five, six, ten times. We'll yeah. use this one to show potential, you know, uh, Sponsors are like, look at how many look downloads at how many people it got. Listen to this episode. Um, and then you'll really understand arbitrage. Arbitrage, the name Ish. of my first son. And I will say, it is a delicious way to cook chicken <laughs> <laughs> in a very soft fabric. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Make Believe Money. Uh, as always, thanks to our composer, Charlie Miller, for her music. Check her music out at her website, charliemiller.com. Uh, Catch us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Be sure to leave us a sweet review and some stars because you love us and we love you. Um, tell three friends who don't know us about this podcast because that'd be cool. And also some people who've got sponsorship money. That'd be neat. <laughs> um, uh, anything else, friends? I've been Liz. I've been Damon. I've been Dan. That's all I think. Goodbye. Would that be arbitrage? It costs us nothing to do this, and then we get paid to do it. it but it costs us time. It costs us time. I don't think that's arbitrage. Yeah. <laughs> no. Dressage. <laughs>